This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Mediasplode 36, Return of the Jedi, 40th Anniversary. Hello, 
Jedi fanboy media split episode 36, Return of the Jedi, 40th anniversary. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I'm here with Josh Flanagan. Hi there. And Ron Richards. Hello, friends. And we're here to discuss the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi. Ron, do you need to do a disclaimer? It is the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi. It, it, it is shocking. Um, are we going to start with what we've been watching? Well, yeah, but do you, need, do you need to disclaim yeah. the, sh- the episode since we're talking about a Disney property? Oh, yeah. No, I work for the Walt Disney Company. These are opinions are my own. Okay. There you go. I don't work on Star Wars, so there's no, there's no way. But also, like, the movie was made 40 years yeah, ago. Nor, so I nor feel like this did you when it came out. Yeah, I feel like the statute of limitations <laughs> is uh, has been lifted. <laughs> okay on that so we'll be discussing that and thanks by the way this is a show unlocked by our patrons over at patreon.com slash ifanboy they also unlock the books below the talks below lots of great shows for you to listen to and enjoy thanks for being a patron if you are one and consider being one if you're not we appreciate it let's dive in because we got a lot to talk about let's start yeah. now we always do with what we've been enjoying since we last spoke let's catch up yeah so i was on a plane and had a moment to watch it i've talked about it on the show in the past i love to watch a good documentary while on the plane mm. right mm. And so for some reason, I chose Meet Me in the Bathroom, which is the documentary about the early 2000s music scene in New York City, kind of centered around the strokes and yeah, yeah, yeahs and, oh. and TV on the radio. and That's what you usually say on the plane to somebody else, Meet Me in the Bathroom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the beginnings of LCD sound system. That's sort of the end of rock, right? That's sort of like the last gasp of popular no, rock. No, I, no. The last gasp of popular rock is probably Coldplay in the mid-2000s, I would say. White Stripes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. White stripes, yeah, like stripes the 2006 black keys, black keys yep. like 2006, 2007. That was the last guess. Yes. Okay, this is like this is uh, like 99, 2000, 2001. That's fair. That's when fair. was uh, um, El Camino was the last, like, so that's 2010. Yeah, so yeah, t- t- 2007 and to 2010, the na- like the, 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 the beginning of the national, like, I feel like that, you know, Bon Iver, you know, like all that. Bon Iver. Iver. Yeah, then you're getting pretty bon niche, though. That's, I don't know, Bon Iver yeah. never hit, hit the popular consciousness. Oh, it did. It was a lot, a lot of TV shows and a lot like me, like that. Well, that's a great, a lot of Grey's Anatomy had Bon Iver. The format of what that looked like changed a lot during that yeah. time. So. Yeah, exactly. But that's not the point. So I watched this documentary and I just, and it just, it, it was fun because it had a lot of footage of New York City in 99, 2000, whatever. But I just find it baffling because I realized that I cannot name a single stroke song by title. <laughs> and the only song I know is that one, which I don't even know the name of the song. Well, it sounds like a Tom Petty song. I guess so. Yeah. Last night, and then, she said, and, blah, 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 blah. and and it's so funny because they spent all this time setting up, like setting the scene of the New York independent music scene in their in their, in like 2000, which like I was there, but like not f- for any of those bands, mm-hmm. right? And so I just found it really like, and admittedly, I understand they 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 got on MTV and they were big, they blew up and all this sort of stuff, and there there was a record label feeding frenzy in in New York that came out oh, of yeah, it, for sure, but. but but I just found it fascinating that it was like a time in my like a, a a moment and a time that I was absolutely there for. Like they're talking about you know those bands playing the Mercury Lounge. I would go I would go to the Mercury Lounge all the time, not to see these bands, right. but to see other bands. I feel like that was, like it was funny because they it was funny because they showed like a flyer of a yeah 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 show, and there was like three bands lower on the bill that all, all bands that I like, like Oneida and like other bands that I, I saw and liked. I was like, what about those bands? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that was like a glam scene, not glam, like in the seventies, but it was like, no, it wasn't. Gla- it was like a return to garage rock. Yeah. yeah but kind done, of, but you know, stripped but down done by like, yeah, but, but yeah. it had an air of like bourgeoisie too. So the strokes, you know, like uh, they, 
started hobnobbing with famous people and it was like the hip thing to do. Yeah. yeah. Every rock band ends up doing that. Yeah. That's what every kind of scene blow up. But anyway, so I needed, and just ultimately I just, the whole thing left a bad taste in my mouth because it was like none of no bands actually liked. So I needed, I needed a palate cleanser. So when I got home, I found another documentary um, that actually the guy who cuts my hair told me to check out. Um, It was called nightclubbing, the birth of punk rock in New York city. Nice. And it's actually about, a lot of people, and and we talked about it in the past, but like you know, I have a, a strong reverence for CBGBs and like what you know the Ramones and Television and Blondie and all the bands that came out of that, and then like you know the hardcore scene in the '80s, and then then the, I hung out there in the '90s and all stuff like that. But like, oftentimes people don't realize that there was another club called Max's Kansas City mm-hmm. that yep. was around for, around from the '60s until the '80s that had a very similar trajectory and like as important as CB's was in terms of like Max's was where the New York dolls emerged. Like Alice Cooper played there early on. It was the first place Iggy Iggy pop played. Yeah. And then like in the early eighties, it changed ownership. And then in the early eighties, it was also a spot for hardcore, like agnostic front played there a lot and stuff like that. So like, I don't know. So that was a nice palate cleanser of like a New York, like two New York city based documentaries. One that was just like a bit of a sham and another one that was like, Oh, you know, you know, people should watch this. And so uh, I I would recommend nightclubbing the birth of was it a sham because it was a bad documentary? Or it was a sham because you don't like the bands. I thought it was a bad documentary, not because I didn't like the bands or because the subject, but just also like the way it was handled. Like I actually wrote about it on on Facebook, and some of my friends were like pointing out, they're like, "Oh yeah, like on top of say what you about the music, but like also it was a poorly made documentary." Mm-hmm. So it was just like it it just didn't feel good, you know. <laughs> Where was the ladder? Is it streaming somewhere? Oh yeah, no. So so I I watched the Meet Me in the Bathroom one. I watched on the plane on JetBlue, and then um, I looked up to see where it was available. And apparently, it's on it's uh, linked to Showtime. Okay. So if you have the Showtime ad on on Amazon or you have Paramount Plus, you can watch it. That sort of thing. And then nightclubbing, I think I rented from Amazon for like a buck ninety nine. Okay, that I'd watch. Yeah, definitely. I strongly recommend it, Josh. You would like it. Like I have a very strong image of CBGBs in my head. So when you read about it or whatever, I'm like, okay, I get. But Right. Max's Kansas City, I've only read about. Or uh, what's right? Ex- what's the one in New Jersey across the river? You, you said it the other day. Maxwell's. No, is it Maxwell's? The one in New Jersey? Yeah. In yeah. Okay, that it's is. It's called it. Maxwell's. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay. I went to Maxwell's. I went there all the time. But Max's Kansas City, like, yeah, I had no frame of reference for. Oh. Like, I've read about it. Like, knew it existed and heard people talking about it both, like in terms of music and the hardcore scene. But didn't realize that like Andy Warhol and everybody hung out there and like that. I just found absolutely yeah. fascinating to see the photos and stuff like that. So, Josh, you would really dig it. Did you read that Legs McNeil book that I talked about last year? Just uh, kill me, no, please kill me. I think you'd really. No, I didn't. It. It's on my list though. Yeah, yeah. it'll go quick because you'll be like, I know all these people and I know all this stuff about them. Yeah. Worth it. Josh, what are you up to? I've been watching the NBA playoffs. I was thinking about whatever else it is that's going on, and that's kind of it. All the other shows we're slowly getting through are the ones that we have all talked about lots of times. But for, I don't know, when is it? For the last month, we've just basically been watching playoff games every night, and that's kind of it. Getting your heart broken? Eh, a little. But like the first two rounds have been fantastic. They were like their upsets. I love upsets. Number eight seeds beat number one seeds and like people don't do what's expected. I think it's a heck of a lot of fun. So Connor is, is referring to the fact that we're Celtics fans. We followed them. My wife's watched every single game this year and they are as the time of this recording about to get eliminated by the Miami Heat. The Western and Eastern Conference Finals are both 3-0s at the yeah. time of recording. But one side is the way it's supposed to be and the other side isn't. <laughs> So like you would expect the one seed to demolish the eight seed. That's fair. But you have the Miami Heat who barely made it into the play-in. They lost their first play-in game. And then they went through the Bucks, who were the Isn't best. Isn't it a playoff? 
So they changed it. Uh, uh, I don't want to. I don't even want to know the answer. The don't want, I don't want to know the answer. They took the That's last it. two slots of the eight. Oh, of the eight Why do they five. keep messing with all this nonsense? Because uh. the problem that the NBA has is that no one cares about the regular season anymore. Yeah. So they yeah. have to expand the postseason. No, but at the same time, like it's all of a sudden there's like a one game really exciting sort of like Final Four type of vibe to it, and it, it's uh, it is it's super exciting. Eventually, every sports league is just going to be the playoffs. I mean, it's called the regular season. Just make that all. <laughs> hey, listen, I love the regular yeah. season. I watch yeah. all the baseball games. <laughs> yeah, so we've been doing that, and like it's been it's been super fun. Like nothing you expected to happen would happen. You know, we watched last year, but I know a lot more this year. <laughs> so everything lies a con- like I know that you guys are like lifelong sports fans, but the last time I paid attention, I was a teenager, and now there you know, are stories and there's characters and there's, you know, if you like the story of Jimmy Butler and the Miami heat this year has been super fun, you know, watching you know, the Lakers try to do something that nobody thought they'd be able to do has been crazy. They're not going to, but they went farther than everybody expected them to. Ron, Josh has asked me to move the pick of the week recording time a few times because of game conflicts. I like to point out as much as I love baseball in the world cup, I would never do that to you, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's now it's a family thing. Sure, that's a that's a good excuse. Yeah, so you know, it's just to 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 make Lindsay happy. <laughs> also, I I enjoy that. So, <laughs> so I'm going to mention a couple of things. One show that Ron's watching, so I'm not going to say much about it. But we watched Jury Duty. I just watched the second episode right before oh, we the were second episode. This. Okay, so that's on Freevee. That's the free channel from Amazon Prime. It's 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 still on Prime, but it's the free sort of sub channel. So there's ads on it. I wasn't going to watch it. If you haven't watched it, it's a reality show about jury duty. The twist is that one guy thinks he's on jury duty. Everybody else is an actor. And I wasn't initially going to watch it because I feel like those shows are always about making fun of the guy. But this one is sort of the opposite. It's so good. And so it was very feel good. And the level of improv happening yeah, is off the charts. I mean, I'm only two episodes in, and even I like to see they're doing improv, but also seeding stuff to use on the show. Like, yeah. it, it, it's working on multiple layers. It's like it, it's it's really impressive. And James Marsden is playing himself on it, so he's the other. Which sort of hook. I, and Connor, I was t- I was talking about it with my sister yeah. yesterday. I think that is perfect casting. Yeah. Because he is just famous yes. enough to think that he's someone, but not famous enough for you to immediately know who he is. And that works out so well in this format. Yes. Especially with the with the guy who's the subject yep. because he like doesn't know and like at every episode he's like, Oh, I, I rented Sonic and I like, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, no, it's so, totally right. He's he's just famous for you, like, is that a famous guy? Yeah. He looks famous. He looks like he should be right. He's got that face. And yeah. there is <laughs> one other actor who I recognize from a couple of things I thought was too not famous, but too recognizable to have been chosen for this particular project. But apparently the guy didn't, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. But I will say that I saw James Marsden on Stephen Colbert talking about it, and he said that whenever the guy got too suspicious, they would load him up with boring court stuff. So they would just do like three or four hours of real court <laughs> stuff. And I can't even imagine having to do that in character. Like it's just crazy. I mean, yeah. I'm really impressed by the whole production of it. Yeah, no, it, it, it was the kind of thing my sister started watching, and uh, she was like, oh, you got to check this out. I knew it was out there in the ether, but reality, you know how I feel about reality. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Stuff. And then you mentioned that you were watching it, and you're like, it's really good. And then my sister's like, it's so fun. And so I was like, all right, let me try. So we watched the first episode like two weeks ago, and then I had a bunch of travel and stuff like that. So we just dove back in tonight. Really enjoyable, really enjoyable. And yeah. the last episode's really terrific. I've been dragged into this dopey show called The Trader on Peacock, which is basically just people playing werewolves or mafia, but like oh, reality stars. But it's hosted by Alan Cumming, oh, and he's wearing really? a series of fabulous and ridiculous outfits. It's all being shot in Scotland at a castle. 
that's supposed to be his supposed to be his castle. He's the master of ceremonies for the game. It's really dumb, and I don't feel good. But at the end of every episode, I'm like, well, what's going to happen next? It's just stupid. Yeah, I wanted to mention for Ron because Alan Cumming is really terrific, and he's having a great I love time. Alan Cumming. And I hope they're paying him a lot of money. Alan Cumming is not discerning in work. Let's just put that. <laughs> they're finding out a lot of that working actors need to work. And so, you know, he'll take something. So They all need to work. Not <laughs> he's not, he's not getting in big movies anymore. So, <laughs> And then finally, this past weekend, I saw Fast X at the theater. My first time seeing a Fast and the Furious film in the theaters. And leading up to that, I rewatched all of the movies, uh, which is good because it had been a couple of years and uh, I'd forgotten a lot. Well, they're really complex plots, though, right? I mean, they actually are. Yeah, because actually, they that's keep true doubling back on itself one of the things it's been it's been doing is it will constantly revisit a moment from a previous film recontextualize retcon it and so you have to kind of remember what about it uh, they're constantly bringing characters back from the dead it's a full-on superhero film it's fun but i wouldn't say they're good anymore like they, the, 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 the series <laughs> I understand. six and seven there's been 10 films and a spinoff now there's gonna be 13 right this is a trilogy he said right? 12 but yeah no he just came out and said he said there would be a, it's a trilogy well that'd be 10 11 12 then uh, oh yeah, yeah, math. Yeah, I was expecting this to be the final film, and, it, and I forgot. Like, I was so into the movie, I forgot it was not a full film. So it ends on a multiple cliffhangers, and I went, "Wait a minute!" And they went, "Oh right, it's not a full film. It's a it's a half of a film." Every franchise does that now, but I do think it's impressive they've been doing this for twenty two years. They've been telling basically, it's not a continuous story, but basically the story of this same group of characters for twenty two years before Marvel started doing it. He has a family, right? Like he's, he's got a family. Mess, he's got a lot you of don't mess with, you don't mess with his you don't family. Mess with the family. Right? It's all right, about yeah. family. If you don't have family, yeah. you don't understand family. Right, right. They've been doing it for 22 years. It's most of the same group of characters. They started before Marvel in terms of you know the long, continuous storyline. They started before Marvel in terms of the mid- and post-credit sequence, which happened, I think, at the very first film in 2001. In terms of the mid-post-credit sequence, adding something to the story or teasing something from the story, bringing a character back. They're full-on superhero films at this point. Six and seven basically turned the page on, on them being like super spies. And it's just this point you watch for the spectacle of what could they do with the car. Jason Momoa joined this one as the villain. He's very entertaining in it, but it's a spectacle. I had a really good time watching it, but five through seven are actually, I thought, really strong action movies. And then it gets like ridiculous, but in a fun way. Do they still Tokyo Drift? I think there was a drifting in this one. Oh, really? Nice. That was the third yeah. one. That was the third one, but I like that one. A lot of people don't, but I think that one's really fun because <laughs> it's just so different from the other ones. Cool. But it was fun. I enjoyed it. Now I'm going to do the same thing for Mission Impossible. I'm going to watch all those and get ready for that one. I've lost track of which Mission Impossible I saw last. I like watching them, but I don't. They're so good. They're yeah, really no, good. totally. I just lost track of it. You can jump on. I can give you one to jump on in the middle because it sort of started like oh, when I Christopher McGuire took wanna, over. That's when they started doing a continuous story. I don't want to have missed any is my point. Like, I don't remember. I think the last one I saw was Henry Cavill and there's a bathroom fight. Oh, that's that's the last one. Was it? I think so. Okay. That was the most recent one, I believe. It's been a while. Ever since the pandemic fucked up theater releases, I've lost track. They haven't put one out. It's a Tom Cruise film. They haven't put one out yet. So I think you're caught up. All right. Good to go. And so there's a new one coming out. Yeah, there's a new one coming out in uh, July. All right. So that's what I'm looking forward to. I like going to the movies. I've been going to the movies more and more since life has returned to normal. I like going to the movies. I took my kids to see the Super Mario Brothers movie. Good movie. It was fun. It was surprising how many, like... Yes. Easter eggs or references or whatever that they worked into the plot and into the story in a plausible like like the yeah. fact that they made Mario Kart a section of the film mm-hmm. I salute them for figuring that out. I right? thought it was really well done, done. from the good people who brought yeah. us minions. Yeah. <laughs> Did they rock the floor when they jumped their cars? 
No, they didn't. They didn't. <laughs> I was trying to explain that to my son, and he didn't quite understand. So was that so. their first film? Their first. It was. Theater? It was. And as I, as I said, it, w- it wasn't my first choice for their first movie, but at least the lead characters are reflecting from our heritage, our Italian American heritage. <laughs> <laughs> That's so. That's a good segue to talking about Return of the Jedi, the 40th anniversary, which uh, was just this. Was it two weeks ago? Was it in the theaters? Was that what it was? It, so let, let me set the scene yeah. here. I was online. I don't know, just doing something, working, and I saw the new poster that they had put out to celebrate the 40th anniversary. But like, I think I was buying a movie ticket, like on Fandango, and I was like, "Oh, Return of the Jedi is playing," and I was like, "Oh, cool, I can check this out." And what I didn't, and this is silly because I also work for the company. I should realize this was going on. <laughs> but to celebrate the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi, they released it in theaters again, the special edition, which we'll get to in a moment. But it only ran for like. A week and a half yeah, or like two really weeks short. at most. Yeah. It was a short run and it like ended on, god damn it, on May 4th. Yep. The first weekend, it was like the number four movie at the box office. Like it did really well. It's a great movie. Right, I'm just so, saying, it, I'm it did surprised. really well. Yeah. People went out yeah. for it. Yeah. And to the point where I'm like, just keep it running. At least keep it running until the actual anniversary, which is Memorial Day weekend. Jeez. I would have gone. Yeah. I, I couldn't go the week it came yeah. out. So I was bummed like you guys went. But if it had been another week, I would have gone. Yeah. I kind of saw like over the weekend a bunch of people I knew had gone and I was like, oh man, did I miss it? Because it seemed like one of those things that was just going to be like one weekend. And I saw that there was like two days left where it was showing. So I took off from work early one day and I went and saw it like late afternoon. And I'm very glad I did. Yeah. So, so I bought my ticket and I went and I cannot like to echo you just like, I cannot say how happy I was to go see it in the theater. <laughs> and so like I walk in the theater and like, I went by myself, like I went after the kids went to sleep, my wife went to bed. So I, I you know, just went, which I, which now I've come to love a movie by myself. Like it oh. used to be like a great social activity, but now oh, I love it. Welcome to the club. So I'm sitting there watching the stupid pre-show with Maria Menudos. You mean Nuvi? Nuvi. I'm pretty sure they run that on free V also along with Jerry <laughs> Duty. But so I'm watching people come into the theater because like I'm like, oh, there better not be somebody to fuck this up for me because I'm I'm no longer like I don't go to Alamo anymore because I'm not in the city. I'm out in the suburbs now. So I have to go to like to the AMC, like the red, like like a regular schlub, you know, they they put ketchup on egg noodles. And so I'm watching and then like this group of like eight nerds come in and sit in the row in front of me. And I was like, oh, don't don't do it. Don't do it. And the movie started. The lights got dim. And like they plotted when the Star Wars logo went, you know, went out. I was like, oh god! And I'm waiting for some. I'm waiting for the Josh of the group to like say a line or something like that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And luckily, Fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> luckily, they were quiet. Nobody talked the entire film. Right. It was. It was great. It was. It was I guarantee re- you, reverence. I have gotten into more verbal altercations for me telling people to shut up. Yeah, but you were around. you were younger in your younger days. You were not that <laughs> not in the movies though. That was sacrosanct. I know what you're saying. But in the theater. Anyway, I'm so glad I saw it in the theater. I hadn't seen Return of the Jedi. In, it's been several years. Well, okay, I mean, let's let's back that up uh, to to our history of it. So I know this wasn't anyone's first film in the theaters because it came out we were uh, seven, six. It's the first one I remember demanding to go to and anticipating. I was in the womb for A New Hope. You guys were born. Ron, did they take you to A New Hope? Is that what you said? Well, yeah. So the story goes, they took me to A New Hope. I was born in early May, and A New Hope came out Memorial Day weekend. And supposedly they took me sometime when it was in the theater in May or June. So unknown if that's true or not. It ran all summer. Yeah, exactly. And they didn't get a sitter. And then my mom said, I I, I didn't sleep. I just sat there with my eyes open the whole time. And clearly just osmosis. So for Empire, that was the... First film I was told I was taken to the theater. I don't have no memory of whatsoever because I was three or whatever. 
I remember being in Italy when I was three or four and seeing posters for Empire Strikes Back on the street because I remember the blue poster. And I remember seeing Empire Strikes Back at the drive-in, but unknown if it was an 80 or if it was like- One of the many re-releases. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now for Jedi, I remember, I distinctly remember going. I remember going twice. I remember seeing it at the theater in Manhattan when it came out. And then I remember seeing it again over the summer on vacation, like in the where we were going on vacation. I distinctly remember that. I remember seeing going to Return of the Jedi at the RKO Theater on Jericho Turnpike in Comac, next to the Candlelight Diner, across the street from the Toys R Us, and standing in like a line that wrapped around the building several times for like long enough that my dad went next door to the diner and got us all burgers and brought us over to sit and eat while we were waiting. Like that, I distinctly remember that. Cannot tell you about the movie experience. I was six years old. I don't remember once we went into the theater. I don't remember what that was like, but I remember standing outside and like wanting to go to Toys R Us to get the new figures and like asking my dad, can we go to Toys R Us? It's right there. And like being told not to because he had to cross the street and Jericho Turnpike's a big road. I feel like I remember all sorts of that movie. I mean, like coming out and being excited about Ewoks, the green lightsaber. Yeah. I remember the toy commercials with Ewoks in the woods, like the kid, you yeah, know, the, the commercials yeah. were kids mm-hmm. playing. I remember, I, I distinctly remember those commercials. So what's interesting is, you know, I think we all were the right age to love Return of the Jedi. But then as you got older, I mean, like all my friends saw it, loved it. And the, my, you know, everyone I knew in person. But then when you like went to college, I remember, and, and our first exposure to the internet, which at the time was text-based. And suddenly everyone's like, Jedi sucks. Yeah, and Lando sucks. Or I hadn't heard that until later, and I was like, "What?" Yeah, yeah so no. that was the prevailing idea was that Jedi was terrible, and I was like, "I, I don't think Jedi nope. is terrible." But then it started to seep in my brain. I was like, "Well, is Jedi terrible?" And then I remember distinctly, you know, special editions come out. We're in college. It's ninety seven, so we are twenty years old. And I remember going to the first one. I remember going to the second one. One of those groups, I took people from college down. Like I remember Jared, our friend Jared, when came down. I distinctly remember the Jedi experience. I distinctly remember the Star Wars experience. It was like the first time ever seeing that in the theater for me. Yeah. Or at least remembering it. Maybe it was a kid that in a re-release we saw it. I don't really remember much about Empire. I think that was the one I took uh, the guys from college we drove down. I think Michael Moore was there. <laughs> I know that after Empire, we snuck into National Lampoon's Vegas vacation afterwards. But I distinctly <laughs> nice. remember Jedi and, and how exhilarating it was in a sold-out theater, and especially that last yeah. bit, the ending, the three-pronged ending. And the, the crowd cheering at all the right moments. And I remember coming out of it going, fuck anyone who thinks this is a bad movie. This movie's yeah. awesome. I saw this for the, the show on Disney+. Plus. Uh, I didn't get to go in theater. But even just rewatching it all the way through, because I've seen snippets of it here and there. It's always on TV. But just sitting down and watching from straight to finish, I was like, oh, man, this movie's awesome. It's so funny because like, as we entered from our like fandom stage into our like critic pundit stage whatever like you know we've read you know like we've all we've all read the Rinsler books like I've, mm-hmm. read, I've read I've read so much on Star Wars stuff like that and so much criticism so much stuff like that and you know down to the level of like Lucas going through his divorce at the at the time and like Marquand and his you know qualities of director and like the Harrison Ford of it all and just like all this the shit that is swirls around the cloud of this movie I walked out of the theater seeing it, you know, as the part of the 40th anniversary. I'm like, God, I love this movie. Yeah. It's like, like, all, like, say, I don't care what you think of Marquand as a director. I don't care. Like, I've heard people say, like, oh, it's a glorified TV movie. And like, you know, like all this sort of stuff. It works on such a visceral level for me. And I don't know if it's 
our age, you know, me, you know, us being born in 77 and like growing up with Star Wars as religion or, mm-hmm. or watching, you know, like from when they did the VHS re-release with those bad logos. Remember that, that yeah. like brick that came yeah. like, I remember getting those in high school and like watching them all through college. And then we went to the re-releases at the pyramid mall and, you know, me and Gordon, the intern were first, we, we lined up and <laughs> we went when the movie theater opened to get first in line and like, what are you doing here? Like no one, <laughs> no one else was there. We that was there. early yeah. in the line age. Most people think it it happened around Lord of the Rings, but no. And I distinctly remember being in college and post-college, I used to just pop the movie in and watch the opening sequence to the point where Jabba Sail Barge explodes. Oh, great. And like that as a a 25-minute episode – He's like, it's perfect. It's complete. It's funny. It's got action. It's like all this sort of stuff. And like coming out of this movie, I was so compelled because I wanted to like write a long rant online, but I didn't. I have no problem with Ewoks. I have no, no I problem. Love the Ewoks. With some, uh, every malign decision of this movie, I completely disagree with. And it's completely done through a filter and a bias of just love. Yeah, I mean, the Ewoks were originally supposed to be Wookiees and everyone's like, it would have been cool with Wookiees. Yeah, but it wouldn't have been as interesting no. with Wookiees because Wookiees would have torn everybody apart. Here's the thing. We got Wookiees in the prequels, and right. guess what? It wasn't cool. Right. What made what made Wookiees cool was that there's one of them. Just right? the one. There's just the one. And yes, we found out about Mala and Lumpy and Life Day and stuff like that. <laughs> but that was that weird thing that you couldn't get, really, and you just heard people talking about. It. But like, it, it's the fucking mystery of like, it's just one big hairy fucking dude who's best friends with Han. Like, maintain the mystery. Right. I'm glad it wasn't Wookiees. What's interesting that you said that is that like – I was excited for the parts that came after Jabba. Like, it's fine. It's good or whatever. But I really like when they went to space and then they went – because I loved the Ewoks. And when Star Wars Minute did Return of the Jedi, I asked for the Ewoks because I talked about exactly this thing, which was that like, you know, like, have you lost all your joy in life? Like, (laughs) we were seven. Right. Yeah. I mean, how do you not like Ewoks? They're, oh, they're kind of creepy looking now, but at the time they were cute. We because we didn't. <laughs> we, we I thought better. they worked. I thought they totally yeah, they really worked. Work. Yeah. 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 I know. They're just a little more. I don't know. They're a little more human than they are teddy bear when I look at them now. Like, well, like sure. Yeah, they're not faces, and I was like a little creepy, but I loved it. You know, like it's, it, we can't judge this in any way. You know, but it also adds to the idea of the little guy taking the empire down. Which yes, it yeah. wouldn't be as compelling if it's a, an army of eight foot tall, you know, super technologically yeah. strong da- monsters. Da- David versus, David versus yeah. Goliath, you know, yeah. But there, there's so much layered, and and part of it is because I think it definitely is because of our fandom and our like growing up on it that I we have analyzed this movie to death. All the aliens at Jabba's palace, all the intricacies of the empire bureaucracy, and the, as they're building, <laughs> the Emperor's coming here. Crix Dean's haircut. I mean, like, like I have, we have analyzed this movie down to like the minutia and it just, it holds up and watching it in the theater, it so holds up so much. I agree with you that the Jabba Palace scene is great, but also like Josh, I distinctly remember watching the speeder bike scene for the first time yes. and being like, holy fuck. And no, no, what it is. It's also, it's also like the documentary about the making of this. Yeah. I know by heart, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, like I could point out every model shot of the speeder bike thing from watching that oh, you mean the one where they go, it goes it leans in it goes up it turns yep. its head it comes back yeah, exactly down. exactly <laughs> but i do want to talk about the directing because i i really do think that the final sequence where there's a you know it's luke and vader on the death star it's the space battle and then it's the battle on the endor i think that scene is is expertly put together in terms yep. of it builds tension it, it yeah. never leaves one for too long Anytime you wonder what's happening with Luke, it comes right back to it. Like I remember watching the theater for the special edition. By the time it gets to the end and all the tensions released, you're just like exhausted 
and emotionally spent. And the moment when Luke refuses to kill Vader and says and turns his lightsaber off and says, I'm a Jedi like my father before me, the theater went fucking bonkers when I yeah. saw it. Yeah. It's just such a great sequence. Maybe the stuff in the middle that could be tightened up. Maybe Mark Kwan's not as good a director as Kirshner and Lucas, and he's not, but it doesn't matter because the pieces of it all work so well. And the, it the just script worked. is really good. Yeah. Like there's a lot of great lines. And the chemistry. In it. The chemistry yeah. between yeah, the actors all that is, stuff. is yeah. terrific. I think the first thing when I was older that really hit me when we were in college, we talked about Star Wars a lot. It was a lot, like a lot, like a lot. So like the special editions couldn't have hit at a better time because we were already primed. There was not like, it's not like we were like, oh, I haven't thought about that forever. No, no, we case. were ready. We'd had what, seven years of novels or four, four years of novels at that point? Yeah. 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 And a decade of action figures and toys yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. So the thing that always stood out to me was the second Death Star scene, the space battle, like flying through it. And I was like, this is amazing. I watched it just now in the theater and I thought, this is a great action scene with spaceships yep. in a place that doesn't exist. And the fact that that was able to be done with practical effects is amazing. Yeah. And it looks much better than it should. Or than you would expect, anyway, given the time. It looks. No, know, know what? Know what always struck me about the space battle scene, and it's so funny because hearing George Lucas talk about Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. The curse of Star Wars for Lucas is that he hates it because he couldn't make it all look like what was in his head, right? And so that's why he did the prequels and you know all that yeah. sort of stuff because he wanted to make it. But like you can see the marked application of the technology of the time starting in 1975 when they started the film to 1983 to finishing Jedi of like, it's the culmination of that combination of blue screen and practical effect. And like the space battle scene looks amazing. Mm -hmm. Like it just looks so good. Right. That's the tragedy of him burying the originals is that it is a legitimate piece of cinema history, what they were able to pull off with 1970s technology. I mean, I I still remember talking to my mom about how, because I'd be like, I'd be like, Mom, what, what was it like when you saw Star Wars? She was like, oh, my God, that first shot, we all lost our minds. Like, yeah. It was so new and exciting, and that's the real bummer. I mean, like, I'd love to have those films in a nice Blu-ray, but like, just because yeah. like, this is how movies were made back then. I don't want every movie to be remastered and remixed. And So you know, when rejiggered. I went, I was sitting in the theater, and I was like, is there any chance this is the original? Because I didn't really know, I hadn't read anything or thought about it, and, and I wasn't entirely sure. And then, you know, they got into Jabba's Palace. Because I guess there's a shot outside. Maybe that's when I saw it. It was a there well, yeah. when it eats the bug. Yeah, and I don't know if I just missed that or didn't see it or whatever. But I saw. I think I was in the palace and I saw a couple of the aliens that shouldn't have been there. And yeah. I was like, ah, crap. Once this music kicks <laughs> in, you know it's wrong. Yeah, yeah. I was actually thought about this. You know, there's lots of things I would take out of the special editions. Like probably ninety percent of it. There's a couple of things I think I actually do make it slightly better. Like it's mostly an empire. Empire seems to be the least egregious in terms of the special edition changes. They'd sort of just use it to like fill out yeah, that's good and stuff like that they did the backgrounds to the, the outside of yeah. cloud city and stuff like that but, but i don't, don't want to get it i don't want to get into analysis of that most but, of it doesn't really bother me but also like we lived with the special editions longer than without them like i haven't seen the originals well, in forever i've seen the originals way more than i've seen special editions this is the inevitable special edition kind of thing and the, the, the only thing that gave me a distaste of watching this movie in the theater and in, in, in you know for the 40th anniversary was you know in jabba's palace having to sit through fucking jedi rocks mm-hmm. oh yeah terrible it, which is horrible mm-hmm. right like and admittedly like there, i have sentiment towards lapty neck and probably looking back at lapty neck it's probably not the greatest thing although going back to that documentary i just hear sis 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 wow those songs sis, are sis, fine sis, wow. they're good songs when he's doing a uh, size noodles mouth and he's yeah. like sis 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 wow <laughs> but jedi rocks is just like such a record scratch yeah. this doesn't fit you know kind of thing does not fit and then at the end of the film Ugh. 
I would have been fine with cutting in shots of Coruscant celebrating and Cloud City yeah, celebrating, fine. but don't get rid of Yubnub. Like Yubnub is so. Yub-Nub. Hashtag justice for Yubnub. Old man complaining about the special edition. If, but, if yeah. One more, and we can we can. Well, actually, this one of them is relevant. One of them isn't. My real big problem with them is just that visually the new stuff doesn't match the old stuff. Like, right. So it, yeah. That's what I mean. it doesn't fit. From. It doesn't fit. Yeah. And so yeah. there's a reason. Like it, it doesn't work. So getting to the end of the movie, I also know that the special editions have been tinkered with. Like over the year, they've changed him more to add what I mean. I don't know if that was pre Lucas or whatever, but as we get to the end of this movie and you see the three Jedi, the Force Ghost, Anakin, and Yoda, and they take it with them after the prequels, they added Tamura Morrison's voice into right, yeah. And I, but I did think, like, I was like, well, kind of shouldn't it be young Anakin? No, 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 this is because the old Anakin, like, that never existed. I don't know. He did no, exist. He, well, he takes the mask he, off and he's vanished. He absolutely existed. It should. I he really think the like force ghost. The, the force ghost should be what you looked like when you died, right? And yeah. so, like, so that makes sense. The fact that his and he force should have been ghost, all fucked up. No, no, no I, I'm fine. No, I'm fine with it going back to his original body kind of look. So like should, that, should, that, should Obi-Wan just be a half a body floating? Hey, and, hey, and yeah. I'm, not, I'm not really fighting for this. What right. I'm saying is as soon as he takes the helmet off, take my mask off so I can look at you, he's Anakin again. Mm-hmm. Vader's yeah. dead. It doesn't make any sense for it to be young Anakin, yeah. and that, that's a problem. And also he looks creepy as hell in that shot. Not his fault. He's doing that like up look yeah, kind of thing. But yeah, yeah. If I could get rid of one special edition change in all of the movies – yeah, it would be Vader saying no. Yes, that was bad too. Yeah. When he grabs the Emperor, it just it it was such a powerful silent moment of yep. him looking from back and forth and back and forth and no, and then when he goes no, and just like oh no. man, why? It's is- just so bad. Yeah, and it, and like I get that it no, it bookends the no at the end of Sith, but like we don't need that moment bookended. Like yeah. that was that no was bad too. Like that was so I don't know. I don't want I don't want to complain. No, let me no, talk no, about no, 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 no. Just it, it's just those things stick out when you watch because Josh, I haven't. Yeah. Hardly watch the special issues because your roommate gave me knockoff DVDs of the originals way back in 2000 and 2000, 2001. So I've had. I almost got put on the no fly list. I almost got put on the no fly list because of them. I flew internationally with them, but I've been watching those almost the entire time. I mean, the only thing about that was that, like, when the Blu rays first came out of Star Wars, I was like, I've never seen Star Wars look this crisp. So I'll deal with that because I want to. If I could cut one special edition change, I think I would. I agree with you. The no is bad, but it probably would be Jedi Rocks, just because it just it just sure. hits the rhythm so poorly. But I, I don't want to dwell on the complaint. I want to no, no. I want to celebrate the things I loved. Right, Moff Gerard. Things I loved. No, but before we get Moff Gerard, <laughs> I know I talked about how great that opening scene Jabba's palace is, but the moment they put Luke out on the plank to jump into the Sarlacc, mm-hmm. right when the music goes into the bassoons, the womp. Womp, yep. And then you've got you've got the skiff flying around joyriding and oh, then yeah. you've got R2 getting in position and like the tension of like what's going to happen and then the fucking jump and the music kicks in Ugh. and the lightsaber shoots out and he ignites it and it's green yep. and it's just like and at that point as a kid and all you know growing up all through the 80s like that represented such an energy boost of what movies can do for you. Yep. I always get chills at that moment. I know what's coming. I know what's going to happen, but it always gets me every time. No, for sure. I, I thought that too. Yeah. I love that we didn't know how he got a new lightsaber. 
why it was green. Like all that shit was just left for you to fill in the blank. I love that. Like don't, don't explain everything. Are you like, sure there oh, wasn't a comic great. that explained it's it? It's literally the current storyline in Star Wars right now. I'm not reading it clearly, but at that moment, I just love that they, they, they didn't, you know, that they didn't explain that. And then I just, this is a weird thing, but I love how shiny Vader's armor was when he got on the Death Star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it went from being matte black in the early movies to like, oh shit! Like it made me feel like he was even more badass, you know? Like just little touches like that, and of course, Moff Gerard and Crix Maidine and uh, the entire Mon Calamari fleet and Wedge, <laughs> and the matte painting of the Falcon when Lando and Han are arguing about it when he's trying to get Lando to take it, and you can easily, you can clearly tell it's a painting, and I love it on the screen. I was like, whoa. That yeah, is that very a obviously a map painting. Get like, out of here, you pirate. <laughs> I, well, I just think back to college and all the times we would quote Moff Gerard or somebody else. The Empress going to be here? Just for no reason whatsoever. We, we shall, just, look at, just look at each other and go, the Emperor's coming here? We shall double our efforts. <laughs> oh, no, I love I love the banter between Luke and Han when, yeah, when they get reunited at Jabba's Palace. Like, how we doing? Uh, you know, like, same as always. That bad, yeah, huh? Same as always. That bad, huh? It's like, it's like Martin Lewis. It was great. <laughs> well, that made me think of the sequels and, and the one real sin of the sequels is there was never a Han and Luke reunion. Yeah. That was the one thing that really made me the most disappointed about those movies was, how do you not have those actors Yep. Do a scene, well, at least one scene, because they're so great in this movie. They're great, you know. Leia, Lando, the the whole sort of family they've got going is fun. I remember, you know, watching this when they, they're laying out the plan, and they say uh, it gets really serious when Mon Mothma comes out and says, "You know, this is our one chance. The Emperor's on the Death Star, and many Bothan spies died to bring this information." And I, I remember as a kid being like, "Whoa, what does that mean?" And then even as an adult watching it today, forty years after seeing it originally, I was like, "Ooh." Because there's, there's a great music bed underneath it. It gets really serious. You, there's stakes now. This is their one chance to win. Oh, I thought you meant the Ewoks that made stakes. The stakes, the Ewoks cool. do make stakes. They're hand stakes. <laughs> and, the, and the Emperor, too, right? Like, so we had seen, we had seen a glimpse of the Emperor in, in Empire. Me and my sister still quote uh, the emperor. Like the the my oh. sister will just text me. She'll say, "I'm afraid the deflector shield." Like <laughs> I'm afraid. <laughs> like he's just so. It was so mean. Like that was the reason. Like oh, I'm afraid that the like 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 we know what you're doing. Like oh, it was so good. It was so good. People don't talk about the fact that the emperor was extremely sarcastic. <laughs> exactly. He was a sassy really little bitch. You want to think of, but he's like, oh, you want this? <laughs> oh, is the best. It's almost like an old pulp villain, you know, like a I like a Vincent Price situation. But I remember a, a professor in college, one of my one of my many writing professors, trying to say that the emperor was a bad villain because you didn't know the emperor's motivation. I was like, I don't care yeah. about the emperor's motivation. He's the emperor. He's in charge I'm of this thing, and it's bad. You, like I can imagine being at the point where you're a film person and you've thought a lot of stuff, and you can look at it on paper and then say, "Well, this doesn't make any sense because of this. It's weak because of that." But then also at the same time, completely discount the idea that like film is supposed to make you feel something, and at the end of the day, yep. if it makes you feel that thing, it doesn't matter. Listen, I was pretty close to being in that trap, but I've you know have come around. To go, okay, I see a fuller picture of what's sort of really important about this stuff. It's sad. Right. And it's a professor. So as you're a kid, you're like, well, okay. No, I remember being like, wow, I don't, what, what? Why? Who cares? Who cares? Did anybody care about Emperor Tojo's motivation in World War II? Like, that was the guy in charge, and you had to take yeah, I mean, him out. I've read books about yeah. it. So I, right, but yeah. like, you didn't need to know at the time to go <laughs> fight him. You know, it was just like, he's clearly bad. And oh, man, 
it made me think of you know that whole final sequence where you know I remember as a kid being freaked out by the force lightning. Oh yeah, there's a moment in the force lightning when when it zaps him and the you teeth. can see his skull. Yeah, like that stuck with me as a kid. That was uh, uh, yeah yeah. Well, that whole final sequence from the moment he gets on there and he you know he meets Sassy Emperor to the point where they cross lightsabers and that this is my favorite lightsaber battle in all of Star Wars is this yeah. Luke Wait. Vader one because there's actual emotional stakes. Yeah, it's not as acrobatic and yeah. well choreographed as the new ones are, but it has so much emotion to it you, you've got the buildup of three films here a father fighting the son a son trying to save the father while being manipulated by this evil there's so much great stuff here and then it, it stops he hides somehow and like there's just a great tension to it i thought when i was a kid when he was hiding i was like he'd know where he is he's right there <laughs> and i thought the same thing when i watched it this time <laughs> like, but then like then vader taunting him he's like well if i can't have you all take your sister and then like Luke lashing out and touching the dark side. Like it's just, there's so much going on. Yeah. He really comes close to fulfilling that dark side thing. Yeah. Like it's very, yeah. it is very tense in that way. And I also really liked the, where we left off in empire was we had a sort of idea of the force. And I think what was really cool is that we move into the third film. They are all much more comfortable with the force and like Vader's on that ship. Really? You know, and they kind of buy it. They're like, oh, they say no, but they're in denial. But like, they're not writing Luke off anymore when he says shit like that. And then Luke, yeah. Vader's chasing him around. He's like, sister. And he's like, oh, fuck, you read his mind. Like, he could, right. like, it was, it's, all that stuff was great. Yeah. It has moments I probably think about the most, maybe because as a kid, it imprinted on my brain more than Empire did. Because, yeah. You watched it a lot as a kid because the Ewoks. We've talked about it for years, and we, I mean, I think we're all understanding in agreement that, like, unabashedly, Empire is the best film of the three, mm -hmm. right? Yes. But I have so much emotion and enjoyment and memory tied to the to, to A New Hope and to Return of the Jedi that like I have a hard time differentiating the three of them. And like I love Empire too, but like Jedi filled a moment because I was six years old. Mm -hmm. We would go into the theater, we got it, we had the toys. It was this whole thing. Like Return of the Jedi was a moment, a cultural moment for us at that age in that in that year. And it just continued to be. Yep. You know, and I never really thought about Return of the Jedi being the lesser of the three until the late 90s at earliest, maybe early 2000s when the, you know, when the film criticism started, you know, mm -hmm. these were just religious artifacts. These three movies were just there. They're up on this pedestal and they are what they are. They're great. And partially because they went away, you know, you yeah. had, you couldn't watch them whenever you wanted to, unless you had recorded them off TV or gotten one of the you know, limited VHS releases. You couldn't yeah, just or that documentary, them. man. I'm telling you, if you can go back and find that documentary, it is so, it is the making of return of the Jedi, whatever it's called. Like they get Phil Tippett and like all like the job of the hut puppet. And like the, was it like temporary. Uh, I'm sorry. It was contemporary of the time. Like it was made. Right. Yeah. What was it? Where did you see it? What was it? It on? wasn't the one that was in the box set. Was it? I don't know. I what think it was. It? Cause there was that, that box, that big blue box that came out, had the three films and it had a documentary. Um, I think that's what, what you're thinking that? of. I don't know. I we taped it off TV. Like mm -hmm. that's what I, <laughs> I I think it's literally just called The Making of Star Wars Return of the Jedi. Oh, oh no, that's the no, that's the that's the Rizzler book. Sorry. I definitely have an image in my head of them sort of showing and explaining how Jabba works. Yeah, yeah. yes, yes. Yep. Yep. Pretty sure so that's the one from point. the box set. Yeah. I, I think they put it in the box set, but I remember seeing it in a 1983 documentary. I just pulled it up on YouTube and I just, my head just exploded. <laughs> yeah, it's on YouTube right now. You can find it if you look Star Wars 1983 documentary, The Making of. It's on there. 
Yeah, like all the stuff where they're showing like all the people and the puppets and all this all this sort of stuff. It's like it was great. And actually, it's not the, this one I'm on YouTube is not the right one, but I'll, I'll find. <laughs> it. But there is there there's like a, a making of documentary that I just watched all the time just because you wanted you wanted more of it, right? Like mm-hmm. you just yeah, oh, it's so good. Well, that was why we were so excited about the special editions because it was more. It yeah, was, exactly. Oh, we're gonna yeah. see a new Star Wars scene. You know, it's been 20 years. We've never seen anything new yeah. Star Wars, and that yeah. was. Uh, Let me ask you guys a question of after watching the movie again and being reminded of something that drove me crazy for ages when in the space battle, when they take out the executor, the -hmm. superstar destroyer, right? I I know I'm with you. Right. And then the superstar destroyer lists and then goes down and crashes into a surface. Mm -hmm. Was it crashing into the death star? Yes. Yes. It was so far away from the Death Star, that whole battle. How did it get that close to it? There are scale issues going on. There. Right? Okay, I'm not wrong. Right? You're, you're okay, not wrong, yeah, but but yeah, it's one of those yeah, things like yeah. you cannot think about gravity when it pertains to Star Wars. You can't yeah, do it. Right. There was a Star Wars comic book issue where they started talking about gravity. I was like, nope, you, you can't. It all <laughs> yeah. falls apart. You have to ignore that. And in that one, it seems like, all right, the Death Star is very big, but yep. the ex- ex- uh, Executor class executor executor yeah Yeah. they're really big also so it felt like that was like maybe like a regular star destroyer would have been that size but i mean i think if you look at any of the books or whatever like the super star destroyers compared to the regular ones like it's massive like way 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 bad that shot i mean the shot looks really cool it's cool to see it all exploding but like there's there's a scale issue there i'm not alone great shot yeah but yeah i think it's like when we were kids and you watched the transformers and you were just like all right. <laughs> they don't officially change sizes, but clearly they change sizes. Right, so yeah, yeah. Fine. <laughs> the best part of that sequence is when at the, at the end, when Akbar looks over his shoulder and gives a little like, huh? You know, to the camera. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I did that. Oh, oh God. I love Akbar. It's so good. I mean, it's a trap. And then that moment too, when he realizes it's a trap and they all have to pull up some of the ships crashing the shield. I was like, oh man, this is so good. Focus so all good. your power, firepower on that star destroyer. Like, yeah, it's just I just love it. I lo- that was really good, Ron. Thank you. Lando is is a gem in this as well. Like Billy Dee yeah, is great. Is a, you know, we just got to give him more time. And, <laughs> you know, and, like, oh, it's and so, nine oh. numb from out of nowhere. You know, nine, I'm, yep. oh, yep. I'm supposed oh. to know him. He's a major character. Yep, yep. <laughs> Wedge <laughs> finally gets to, to close one out. He doesn't get yanked in the eighth inning. <laughs> he gets to go to the party at the end too. He does. Yeah, doesn't dance though. Wedge <laughs> doesn't dance. Well, he's. He's always Nobody always claps training. to the rhythm like Lando. You know? <laughs> I give it up. Lando got it in a cape. Yeah. Right? Like, the, like oh, the good, it's a, a cape good cape. Guy. It's a general he a cape in the Empire, too. He's a cape clearly guy. somebody told him that is a maneuver at the Battle of Tanab. I mean, like, <laughs> obviously. But, like, no, but he, that whole, the briefing scene, you know, and when, 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 and the whole, like, I'm with you, too. Like, everybody, like, kind of, like, joining the team. Like, it's so good. It's so good. I still don't understand why they thought to bring 3PO down to Endor. Because I feel like he's not good in the field. Well, he's got to communicate. Yeah, well, they with, needed uh, him. It turns, yeah, they, out. It turns out they needed him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but think yeah. about if you're in that briefing and and suddenly that one shuttle has Luke, Leia, Han, and Chewbacca. Yeah. And you're like, well, spread out the wealth. 
What right. about these other Shrek forces? We just got regular dudes. I actually thought about while while I was in the theater was like, so they're in the briefing and they're like all the generals and all the fucking all the people, all the the pilots and stuff like that, and they're like doing the briefing and then they. You know, they they say Lando, and then they go to Solo, and he's like, he's like, well, I've, I have my strike team, but I don't have what what what, what what's the line, the the uh, command team, yeah. You know, and they one by one, and then Luke goes, uh, and I'm with you too, and then the meeting just ends, <laughs> right? And like, I had to think, like, are the other people like, oh, fucking Luke's back, like seriously, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This that guy, was not, that was not yeah. on the agenda, and they knew if he showed up, like it right. was going to go on like way over time, right? Exactly, and then it's just like all around them, like, do we have to stop everything? Because oh, Luke's back, you know, like it just like. <laughs> percent the animosity of luke and their little click amongst yeah. the whole rebellion it was like, probable oh, jesus <laughs> these fuckers again i don't like him they'll probably save the day what am i gonna do <laughs> i've got this dumb helmet that wraps around my face like a donut i gotta wear here, this helmet here i am i got bust- my a-wing i'm in my a-wing you know i can't do anything on this ship come on i'm busting my hump for years working my way up in the in this rebellion i had to leave my family most of them were killed you're in an A-wing. I'm in a Y-wing. Uh, can, 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 we, can we take a moment, though, and reflect on how badass the B-wing I design is? Say, I, I love the B-wing. B-wing is no joke. Yeah. I uh, had that toy. What I love about the B-wing is that the cockpit is on its own gyroscope, yeah. and the wings go around like that. How do you oh, pilot so, that? did that? It's so cool. It's so cool. Oh, man. Why would they bring the medical frigate to the battle? Got a lot of casualties. Hang back. Help hang people? The, <laughs> well, hang the medical for your back. You don't want to lose it. You know? Like, oh, man. Yeah. But. Ugh. Good time. I also do love, I love as the Death Star is falling apart and all the stormtroopers and black uniform guys are running frantically and Luke is dragging Vader and nobody stops to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's going on here? Like, it's yeah. Just like, it's fine. Like, well, Vader's dead. And they're like, fuck, the boss is gone. I'm, this is my chance to get out of here. Oh. And I do love the the Mark Hamill's uh, Star Trek acting as he's piloting the shuttle out of the the burning Death Star and does that little like shimmy in his chair to get around the explosion, you know, the like, shimmy in the sigh. Yeah, exactly. when it gets clear. <sighs> yeah, oh, it's, it's so all good. good. I mean, that's all incredibly emotional. I think the scene with with Vader when he takes the mask off is really emotional, and then when he burns the body, I think there's really good acting in this. Yeah, the iconic music really helps. There's really good acting, and then there's not really good acting. Well. Star Wars. That's the one that's part exactly. of the Luke and Leia in the in the Ewok village. You know, <laughs> my sister has it. You know, like it's just like it was. Yeah, exactly. uh, but I do want to give it up for Sebastian Shaw, who has been you know trying to be forgotten. erased from these films, but he's yeah. not. He's in the movie, yep. and he's really good as Vader with the mask off. So that's what three actors to play Vader: Sebastian Shaw for the face, David Prowse for the body, and James Earl Jones for the voice, and Hayden Christensen to ruin it. And then Jake Lloyd. That's a lot God, of actors. Poor Jake Lloyd. You're not kidding. I could seriously go on and on with just like every little nuance of this film. I just, uh, I love but it. But luckily for you guys, we won't be doing that. This oh, was fun. Any final words on Jedi? I mean, we love it. It was great. It made me feel happy. and like and It holds up, right? Yeah, oh, for sure. I'm really glad that I was able to go see it in the theater because years more of context and appreciation, I was really able to sort of enjoy myself. Point it at the deck. Point it at the deck. <laughs> Love it. It's so good. That whole scene. Seriously, just watch Boba the Fett. 20 minutes, the first 20 minutes. Boba Fett. Boba, Boba Fett. <laughs> yeah. When he gets shot. <laughs> but you're blind. People think those implausible <laughs> things are weaknesses, which is not the case. No. Oh, they're strengths. 
why does Han immediately think like like Han and Leia have been telling each other, you know, we love you and this the whole time. Yep. And then she goes, he's he's like, it's Luke, isn't it? And she's like, Yes. He goes, All right, I'll go. And I was like, You're not paying any attention, are you? <laughs> Leave the room, solo. I like when he gets thrown in the uh in the cell with Chewie at Jabba's and Chewie's filling him in and he's like, Luke, a Jedi. I go away for a little bit and everyone gets delusions of grandeur. <laughs> I love how I love how happy Chewie is to see him. Yes, yep. It's the best. Uh, EV-99, great droid. Oh, God, it's so good. You are an interpreter droid, are you not? <laughs> Bib Fortuna. That was my thought. Like As I was watching Bib Fortuna, and I'm like, God, this guy's fucking awesome. And there has never been a Twi'lek to match him no. on all the Mandos, all the like, – all the, all, all, They have all pretty the, faces now. Yeah, they're terrible. They put Twi'leks in because like, oh, they've got the cool thing, whatever. None of them are as menacing as that dude playing Bib Fortuna was. I always I think, think Josh is right. They, they give him too much uh, facial structure before yeah. it was like behind some – he had so much stuff on his face. He hardly moved. He, he had sharp teeth. My idea of him is very influenced by the character that was in the Tales from Jabba's Palace book. Mm-hmm. He was a liar. He was a sneak. He was he was yeah, trying to yeah. get get on, get, get over things. He was a major domo. Yeah. yeah. Great stuff. Chi wonga wonga. I wanna wonga. He's no Jedi. Huh? Then he just switches to, to English. Basic. <laughs> that was one of my favorite things about Star Wars in general was that not everyone had to be translated. But sometimes they yeah. did, but for the most part, people just understood all the languages. I like yeah, that, that bit of it. Yeah. Or the droids or whatever. Anyway, any final thoughts on Return of the Jedi? I mean, let's do three more hours. Let's do it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> Why did they do Jedi but not the other films? 40. It's 40 years. It would be forty. It would be forty three and forty six for Empire so and Star Wars. Twenty wouldn't have worked. Right, but saying forty years for Empire, they didn't put it out for the theaters. No, but I mean, but here we are. You know, so what? Here we are. Yeah. So what? The next one is what? So when it's twenty three, so the next one will be fifty. Oh fuck! It'll be fifty <laughs> twenty seven. Star Wars will be fifty, which means we're fifty. I bet, I bet. Oh, <laughs> son of a bitch. Do we all get together to go see that in theaters? Or is that what we're going to do for our 50th? I'll do that. I'll do that. We'll talk about it later. Off right. the show. All right. So that was uh, Media's Blood for this month. Thanks for the patrons at patreon.com slash ifanboy who unlocked this show. Eventually this year, we're going to get to our old men and old movies. That wasn't what this show was as much as it seemed it like. It was real close. It came real close. <laughs> it came really close. But we'll get to that one eventually later this year. We'll be back in a month with another topic that we'll figure out right before the show starts. And until then, you can listen to Josh and I review the week's comics on the Pick of the Week show. You can listen to Ron on All About Android. You just had a big All About Android. Oh, yeah. Big month in May. We were Google I.O. It was fantastic. Find all of our shows at fanboy.com. We have a lot of special edition shows where we review films. Josh just reviewed the Guardians of the Galaxy film. We've got Spider-Man coming up. We've got Flash. We've got all kinds of movies coming up in the summertime. Connor, this is like your moment, right? Like this is lots of movies coming out. It is, but it's not a good time for me. I got a lot of a lot of work trips, but we'll figure it out. In the meantime, thanks for listening. That was fun. My name is Connor. I'm Ron. I'm Josh. You want to walk the wood? Yum yum. Oh, I told me Toby Chicken.